0: Welcome to Talking Baseball. Today we are joined by a very special guest, and we're talking about one day players. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Talking Baseball, another episode, Friday episode. Our midday episode was on Tuesday this week because that article came out, but we are going to try and do three episodes a week now, and we're excited about that. We've been rolling out a lot of interviews with players. This is an interview with an author, but a fun and good conversation all the same, my name is John Boy, and I'm joined, as always, by my best friend, Jake Storielli, producer of BBD, also here with us. Jake, how are you doing?
1: Doing all right, Jimmer. Jimmer for that. Um, you know, living living that quarantine life. Start Starting to find somewhat of a routine. Okay. Um, just uh, with a little bit of recording, recording. Uh, Usually a daily a daily W A L K with Noodle the Doodle Dog. Um and yeah, just just chewing the fat and being the kid.
0: Yeah, that's good for you, man. I've found a good routine yeah. for myself. Living that mask life. I hate the masks.
1: I hate the mask, but it's kind of nice.
0: Um, I hate it though. Like I don't want to go outside. I hate yeah. masks. When I was a little kid, I, I wouldn't do Halloween because I, I, my mom would try to buy me masks even when I was really little, and I just ripped them off. Yep, just foggy in your face, gross. Like I can't.
1: Wet and yep. oh,
0: Katie was laughing at me because I'm like I'm sweating. She's like it's not even hot out. I'm like I'm wearing a mask.
1: Uh, oh, I'm I'm I am full full tilt with you there. My mom used to try to make me wear this skeleton Halloween costume where the mask was a face pillow. And it just had holes for the eyes and the mouth. And I was like, no, you're going to kill me. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a really catch-22. But it's it's better to have the mask on and breathe heavy through the mask than not have the mask on and breathe scared.
0: Yeah, but I hate masks so much. Oh, yeah. Some people are fine in them. I envy that. Anyway, we have uh, an interview that we did before we got to quarantine. Jacob Kornhauser It's a pretty cool book. You're going to hear a lot about it. We asked him about it. It's called The Cup of Coffee Club, and it's a collection of stories about guys who played one game in Major League Baseball, worked their butts off, reached their dream, played one game. There's some really good stories. We talk about a couple. We talk about some in full. Um, Let's just throw it right to that, right? Yeah. We'll play our transition sound.
1: Transition zoned.
0: Joining us now is Jacob Kornhauser, author of The Cup of Coffee Club, book about 11 players and their brush with baseball history. Jacob, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining us.
2: Good. Just uh, chilling in quarantine, you know.
0: Thinking about baseball. <laughs> exactly. Like
2: Daydreaming about baseball.
0: So you, do you go by Jacob? Because we have another Jake yeah. on the show with us. So big Jacob. Yep. He's not even Jacob. Don't just lump a, us. Yeah. Yeah, his birth the, name the is The
1: Jacobs Jacob. and the Jakes have tried to link up throughout time, and it just hasn't worked. So today will be another <laughs> test, um, and we'll see where we land. But, uh, yeah, man, quarantine times, and we were just joking beforehand, hey, hell of a time to have a baseball book because <laughs> we, oh, we oh. all need it. We yeah. all need it.
0: Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your yourself and – your involvement sure. with the uh, game of baseball or love of the game of baseball?
2: Sure. Yeah, I just like a lot of baseball writers or people who cover it like you guys. I grew up just loving it and kind of liking writing about it, reporting on it. My background is in journalism. Um, so wanted to do some sort of endeavor like this to be able to report on a book, kind of a more full-fledged story. Uh, to be able to tell people. And that's how I got into this book specifically. But my background is in uh, more of the recording realm.
0: How, I was going to ask, like, how, when did this idea spark? For me, this feels like a baseball reference deep dive that went into a, a book. And <laughs> I, I mean, I say that lovingly because any baseball fan loves a baseball reference deep dive. I, Jake and I find sure. ourselves on there. I've made some videos about just going in there and you just find these random players. And that's kind of what you're doing is taking these players who had a a brush with baseball history and you kind of give their full story. So where was the spark of the idea for this?
2: Yeah, it was a couple years ago, talking with a buddy of mine who's also a huge baseball fan. We were just throwing basically uh, ideas about cool baseball stuff back and forth. And I kind of brought up this idea, thinking of Moonlight ram stuff like that. Uh, And we kind of just both looked at each other we are like, oh, that's a good idea. We didn't know how much there was to be done on it. But like you said, kind of did a baseball reference deep dive on it. Uh, the last 50 or 60 years, there's not that many guys like that. Uh, so started uh, eliminating some guys. I uh, only wanted to obviously be able to talk to guys uh, for the book. So anyone who's passed away since. Uh, kind of took them off the list. So rounded it out to a list of like 25 or so. And obviously narrowed it back down to 11 um, for the guys that I actually talked to for the book.
0: I was going to ask how many there were. There, there's only around 25. Well, that's living. How many total do we have a number that had... And for anyone that's... that, It's just one game in the MLBs. Right. Like, they could have been called up for a period of time, but the uh, actual game log, one game. Right. So how many players are there
2: yeah so 25 was just the list that i had of like their story was interesting enough they're alive to tell their story stuff like that um so in the last 50 years or so there's only been about 150 or so before that there were a lot more so overall there's roughly a thousand
0: Yeah, yeah that's crazy it's a crazy sport and
1: i i know you know so you you've got What you don't realize yet is you have two demographics right here talking to you. Is Jimmy loves reading uh, and baseball. I don't read at all, so I will need your pitch on a non-reader on why I should do this, but uh, Jimmy was telling me before, he's like, man, this is emotional, all the stories and stuff, uh, blah, blah, blah. For me, I said, yeah, obviously because maybe the saddest thing I've seen on a baseball field and luckily it's, it's taken care of itself since, but a uh, prospect named Dustin Fowler, who's now in the A's, made his debut for the Yankees. And uh, Yankees had, like, a big rally in the first inning. He was left on deck. The next half inning, he's in the field, and he slides into the wall. He, like, shattered both his knees or something. Shattered
0: I his kneecap at uh, Comiskey or whatever it's
1: called. Uh, uh, yeah, and I, for me, I was de- – like, I had a couple buddies that crack cheeky jokes because that's what you do with your buddies. And I was like, yo, stop, like – this this dude's career, I mean, he could he could go down. He could be in the book, and he could be arguably the saddest story because he just missed his at-bat. Like, it, it could be yeah, all over. Luckily, yeah, he's yeah. come back up, and he's played for Oakland a little bit. He was leading um, off the next inning. So, yeah. So, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, did uh, – <sighs> i'm getting emotional thinking about it what um that's not even why it do, was um, do, why it's do you track were you like tracking those stories like did i say dustin fowler and you're like oh yeah we had our eye on him he was a big prospect <laughs> for us or how how then, did that work
0: then man? he got another out bat damn it
1: get out of here
2: <laughs> yeah kind of in just looking at some of these guys i wasn't aware of their careers when they were playing um the dates range from 1958 to 2008 in the book in terms of when they debuted. But I kind of lived your experience in recording this of just hearing, you know, some of these heartbreaking stories of these guys who for all intents and purposes should have had more than one game in the major leagues. Um, But then on the flip side of it, there were a few of them that really had no business getting to the major leagues, whether it be because there was a major injury or something else that should have prevented them and probably prevented thousands of other players from rising to the major leagues, and they did end up making it. Um, So there were two sides of the coin where there were some heartbreaking ones where guys should have had longer major league careers, but then the other side was there were plenty of guys who really didn't seem like they probably were going to make the majors, and so having that one game was really a blessing.
0: I, I, And for me, like, you know, I haven't read every chapter, but I've, I've read uh, a handful because I just wanted to get a feel of the book and, and the players right. and the stories that we're telling that you told in this. And for me, when I told Jake it's emotional, I'm not even talking about the fact that they only got one at-bat or one game in the majors. That Because that, for them, that's the high. That's the, you know, they reached the top of Mount Everest. You are telling human stories like – I don't want to give too much away, but we'll have to talk about it a little bit. But, like, Bannister's story, Jeff Bannister, manager for the Texas Rangers, is incredible. And then the last one, uh, Tupman in 2008, Jake, like, all right, I told my producer this, and I know it's your story, but can you tell Jake and and the listeners uh, the relationship, him and his father? Because I cried while reading it. And it's nothing to do with the fact that this guy – you know, only got one game in the majors or one plate appearance. It's just, you're, you're sharing human stories. And I think that is the best thing because you're making the baseball player relatable and just letting right. people know how much is going on in their lives. So can you share yeah. that? Did you share the Tubman story with his dad? If, if, if you don't mind.
2: Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I appreciate that because I was kind of the goal of all of this was to make these guys relatable, you know, the average fan, Feels like they could have been in their footsteps. Obviously, you know, it, it takes a decade or more of work to actually do it, but uh, to be relatable was, was a big uh, goal of mine. But for Tupman, uh, his dad was like his biggest fan, one of the guys that really was, you know, always shaping his baseball upbringing. And so his dad would come to his minor league games and stuff as he was moving up. Um, And his dad ended up passing away, unfortunately, before he ended up making his major league debut. So from that point on, Matt would take a hat for his most recent call up, you know, whatever team that he got called up by. And he would go to his dad's grave and put the hat there. And so he ended up playing his one game for the Royals. And so so obviously it kind of culminates in being able to put a Royals hat. Say, dad, I made it to another level
0: like that. It was just tearjerker. And, I mean, it, it, if you get the book, I mean, I, I'm sure that you worked hard on order. Or well, it's in chronological order. The Tubman story is the last one because it's 2008, and it right. is a whirlwind of a story. It has everything you need. It's got that. Yeah. It's got, Jake, do you know Trey Hillman? Does that name ring a bell? Not really. He was the manager <laughs> of the Royals at the time, and apparently a giant asshole. Sure, <laughs> and I'm sure in the unfiltered yeah. interview Matt's, that he,
2: Matt's not a huge fan of Trey Hillman.
0: <laughs> he refused to play him. He was up for two weeks as a backup catcher, and they refused to give him the at bat. And the only way he got tell him uh, the only way he got the at bat was because do you want to share this? Because this is amazing as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. So he formed a relationship with a few guys um, playing in like winter leagues and stuff, and ended up actually getting uh, someone to basically he he didn't incite this, but. Privately, they basically, in a doubleheader, I think in Miami, had him fake heat stroke, so to speak, or say he was like getting symptoms of heat stroke so that they would have to put Matt Tupman in. So they basically forced Hillman's hand uh, to have to play him.
0: It was like a day game after night game, and Hillman still refused <laughs> to play him. Just a big-time jerk. He's from Boston. He wants to go put on the Red Sox uniform because the next game – is in Fenway, but Buck is coming back from paternity leave and he's going to back up catcher. He begs the manager, Hillman, just like, let me travel with the team. Let me put the uniform on in Boston. They don't send him down until they arrive in Boston, Mm. and right before the game, Hillman tells him, actually, you're not dressing up, and you can't even be in the dugout. Here's some tickets to the wives section. And he watched from the wives section. And his quote is, that's just kind of how the Royals operated back then. So now I hate the Royals. Sure hate them
2: <laughs> yeah it's, it's just a crazy story he's at Fenway because he like you said grew up in like New England uh big Red Sox fan and then yeah he's sitting with his best friend who was there to see him play at the stadium that they went to you know growing up to get to play and I I guess you know we've talked enough about Tupman's story that we can kind of give you know more tidbits about it is that that game that he was at was the day that John Lester threw a no-hitter. Yeah. And so he watched from the stands. He could have been one of the guys that maybe broke it up, a pinch hit appearance late, but he was watching from the stands.
0: He did get uh, a pinch hit appearance. He got a base hit. So a lot of the guys that you did write about were successful in their one outing, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say the majority of the guys in the book were pretty successful.
0: Did anyone that you reached out to to talk about their one, you know, one game, were they they too still bitter or angry that they didn't even want to, you know, have the conversation with you and relive it all?
2: No, I only had a couple tell me that they didn't want to be part of it. And they didn't necessarily say that it was because they were bitter. I'm sure it played into it. Um, Kevin Morgan, who was in the Mets front office, uh, he got back to me and basically said he had no interest in doing it. Um, And there were a couple other cases where I got in touch with relatives or or other people related to them and they said they didn't want to talk about it. But there was no one who overtly said, you know, I'm still mad about all this and and don't want to talk to you.
0: Yeah. Okay. that's good. A lot of them were like, look back at it fondly. And, you know, there's some stories that you shared that the players themselves were like, you know, I realized that this wasn't for me talk a lot about the mental fortitude it takes to actually right. grind through the minor leagues and make it and you know some guys were like man like that wasn't worth it <laughs> and uh and right. other guys you know have this a very different look on like Tubman's walk-up song was Boulevard of broken dreams because that's what he said the minor leagues was so I, I just, all those all those tidbits you put in there I, I think it's fascinating and and I was trying to I was having a conversation about the book with our producer here And there was a pitcher for the Yankees last year. What was his name? Adonis Rosa?
1: Adonis Rosa, yeah.
0: Adonis Rosa. And he was never a prospect. He's never been on anyone's list. But Somehow he got into a game. And as Yankee fans and as sports fans, you kind of see that appearance and you're kind of like laughing. Like, who the hell is this guy? Oh, yeah, remember Adonis Rosa? And I think that's fair. Like, fans can have those thoughts. But what your book does, and and there's a, a couple other books about minor league baseball, is like, for Adonis Rosa, he probably cried before, probably cried after. His parents probably cried. His whole like you know neighborhood probably celebrated. Like these are huge, huge moments that we kind of laugh at because we know like you know we judge major leaguers compared to the ten percent that are amazing and not right. the eighty percent that climb a mountain just to get there. So I, I really like that. There, there's a guy. If I can ask you to share one more, I don't know if you did a full paragraph, uh, full chapter on him, but I thought his story was really good at the beginning. Um, let me find out. I wrote his name. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna butcher this, this name. Pacoric, the the 18 year old. Oh, John Pachoric. Pachoric, yeah. There's no way. Can you can you share his story a little bit? Because it's actually fascinating.
2: Yeah, he's kind of regarded as the best cup of coffee player uh, of all time. Um, he it's a, du- it's a dubious five honor. <laughs> times out of five. Yeah. Right. And yeah, he was young. He was a teenager still uh, when he was with the Astros, and so. He reaches base all five times. Everyone's going crazy the next season. He's, you know, the next hot thing. Uh, And then he gets injured in spring training and never gets into another major league game. So he's kind of the best example of a a what-if story in terms of – he basically did as well as you could in one game and just never got back.
0: Yeah. Three, Three
1: hits, two walks, right?
2: Yeah, two walks and three base hits.
1: And I I think what what my mind is circling on when Jimmy mentioned it before is that a lot of people look back at this fondly because it's you know a a special day in their life they played major league baseball that's what you know only that group of twenty thousand people can say you know (laughs) in history in the history of the world Um, what um I I was wondering was there was there relationships or because there's a lot of these guys that never got that one day in the history of minor league baseball that maybe deserved over some of these guys? Was there any conversation about that, or was there any research on your end with any any of those other Crash Davis types or anything like that?
2: Nothing where there was a direct one-to-one comparison within the organization. Um, one of the things in the opening chapter I wanted to establish before talking about any of the guys was kind of how timing plays into all of this. And I use the example of this guy, Chase Lambin, who was in the Mets organization. He was killing it. You know, he he had kind of reached his minor league peak, uh, improving double-A, AA, triple-A nice back-to-back years. But then Jose Reyes and David Wright are debuting, and so he's blocked. He can't get any playing time. He played on the left side of the infield. And then you compare that to a guy like Ronnie Cedeno with the Cubs, I'm a Cubs fan, I remember him playing and he had no business playing in the major leagues really, but he got 10 seasons uh, because basically he got an audition with the Cubs, was seen in a major league uniform essentially, and so he got more uh, playing time. So I think the overarching idea of the fact that timing plays such a big role was the bigger takeaway than like direct one-to-one organizational comparisons.
0: Hmm. Yeah, being blocked. You know, if you're yeah. behind Trout, if you're behind Jeter, you know the Yankees didn't have any shortstops come up for 20 years, and there's <laughs> you know that one guy sued the Yankees because of that. <laughs> but he is a bit of a he is a bit of a crazy well, person. And do
1: we see? I and I don't know if trending is the right word for any of this, but I I feel like baseball is at a weird spot right now with service time and veterans where. Um, and just the way that the roster is used that, you know, we, we've started watching old games, and it was like a bench player is a bench player. And now baseball doesn't really work like that. Everyone's kind of got their role on their team. You're either you platoon or you, you know, you, you do something on the team where back in the day it was like, here's our nine. These guys are on the bench where – um, You know, Yankees history, I look at someone like Ronald Torres, who was well-liked and could play every infield position, that, you know, back on those 90s teams, maybe he was a Luis Soho that was just there. <laughs> um, And, like, Luis right. Soho was never fighting for at-bats, where nowadays between the money veterans make and, you know, just giving young guys opportunities and having a bigger role on the team, like, do we think, that? do you think there's more cup of coffee clubs coming or less? Or does it not even work like that?
2: Hmm. That's a good question. Thank you. I think that maybe there might be more if for no other reason than the expanded rosters in terms of being able to call a guy up, send him back down. If it's a guy that is a fringe player, which obviously all the type of coffee club players are by definition, um, maybe they get a chance that they wouldn't otherwise. And in September, there's more guys that maybe get a chance that never get back. But I don't know. I don't think there will be a tremendous amount more. There's been an average about three per year for the last 50 years or so. I'd say it'd probably stay around that.
0: Yeah, I, at first I thought it was going to be more because the, the shuttle they run with the relief pitchers now is just crazy. Right. But they're also dropping the the September call-ups to just 28, which that's going to lessen it a little bit. There, right. was, there was your Cubs fan, and this is a name that I think I should know, but I'm blanking on it. Uh, the Cubs fan who Greenberg. Yeah. They signed a one day contract so he could come back. Right. He got hit in right, the head. Well,
2: yeah. He played with the Marlins and actually got to play. Uh, so he, and I think he went like over four. Yeah. I remember. In his one game. Yeah.
0: Was, the, the other great thing I think that, you know, from the stories I read that you highlight is the behind the scenes and the money. Like when Jeff Bannister finally got called up, he signed his one-day contract for like ninety-seven grand, and this was in yeah. in eighty-one or, or something like that. And uh, you just there's so much that goes into a call-up besides just getting to pitch. You know, you think about you know obviously you have your story and your day-to-day. And Bannister showed up so early to the clubhouse that security had to let him in. And and all that, and the Bannister story is insane, but I already kind of ruined a whole chapter for you or or gave out the details of a whole chapter, so I won't go too deep into it, but I was like, holy
1: smokes. I know the name. I didn't know all that, so go read
2: that one. His his story's crazy. Yeah.
1: Is there anything you'd like to tell us about the book, or do you want Jimmy just to sneakily add his chapters?
2: (laughs) Um, I think an interesting thing is kind of the last chapter so to speak that just has a lot of stories of guys who aren't around anymore uh, but whose stories I thought were interesting enough and important enough uh, to add you know so there's one that's just kind of a comedy of errors of the 1912 Tigers stemming from Ty Cobb getting suspended and a bunch of replacement players having to play for the Tigers Um, and then there's two World War II era guys uh, one of whom pitched on one leg and one of whom uh, was killed in action in World War II. And he was actually one of only two major league players uh, who was killed in World War II. Wow. So all three of those stories, they range in emotions. There's one like super uplifting story, one super kind of depressing, but inspiring story. And then There's one, the Todd Cobb one is just hilarious because it's, It's just one of those old-time baseball stories that you can't help laughing at while you're reading about it. You
1: got uh, baseball covered right there. Is
2: Eddie
0: Goodell (laughs) considered a cup of coffee player? Do you guys uh, familiar? Yeah, he's on the website,
1: bro. Yeah, okay. I'm a website
0: guy. There's a website? You got a website
1: for the
2: book? Sorry?
0: There's a website for the book?
2: Oh, yeah, BaseballCoffeeClub.com. It's basically just supplementary little snippet stories Okay. Uh, of one-game players. So basically what you'd expect from, like, a normal little article rather than kind of these long-form stories.
0: Do you want to share, uh, like, Eddie Goodell's story? If there's a listener that doesn't know it, I feel like they need to know sure. that story.
2: Yeah, so <laughs> – uh, and I've the Bill Beck uh, autobiography sitting on my shelf. Uh, and he was a crazy kind of pioneer uh, of promotions and different stuff. And so he wanted to run a promotion where he basically had a small person uh, back for the team. And so I guess there was this guy, Eddie Goodell, who was sort of this performer. Uh, and he was, I believe, three foot eight, something along those lines. Three foot seven. And- <laughs> three Short, foot seven. Short okay. kings
1: represent. <laughs>
2: And uh, so, yeah, they had him bat, and they made him number one-eighth because of his <laughs> size. Times And, are of different. course, uh, he drew a walk, um, and I believe that they outlawed him signing long-term or something like that because they wanted him to just draw walks all the time. I don't know how they actually did that, but this was a long time ago, and... Uh, Basically, this like this event like spiraled his life sort of out of control in almost like a depressing way, but it's a really really weird example of uh, one game players.
0: Yeah, I just brushed up on the end of his story. and It's really sad, so we'll just get off that one. But it's uh, <laughs> the first half of the story is funny and wild. I mean, yes. I, I think it's I think it's a very interesting book. I'm a big fan of baseball and the minor league journey. So I'm enjoying reading it. And like I said, the it's actually the the all of the story before they get to the majors. That's the more interesting part for me because what you did is you found interesting stories and, and the path. So I think you did a really good job. I'm enjoying reading it. So uh, thanks for sending it over, and uh, thank you for joining us.
1: We appreciate it. Absolutely. And what what having uh, me on, guys. Any Cubs takes this year? Jimmy's kind of high on the Cubs.
2: Any, any Cubs takes? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, when it was going to be a 162-game season, it was going to be fun to watch them win, like, 84, 85 games. Yep. So, I don't know. The NL Central is not very good, but I think the Reds are probably the team to beat. They don't have much experience, but their roster is the best. Uh, so, i put them as, like, a slight, slight favorite.
0: That division in a shortened season is madness. It's going to be awesome. It's going to
2: be chaos. Basically
0: a roulette table. Oh,
1: don't even. cool.
0: All right. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right. That was that. Thank Jacob for coming on. If you're interested in the book, pick it up. Tell him uh tell him you picked it up. Tell him you enjoyed the interview. I enjoyed the book a lot. I read more chapters since that interview. They're really they're like short little mini stories about players. Jeff Bannister's story. We didn't do a deep dive in it because I kind of gave away that entire chapter for him. So I didn't want to give away another entire chapter. Yeah jeff Bannister's story is amazing i still have some more to read i'm like doing it like one at a time and then i go back to my other book uh but they're really good i mean it's really interesting and i gave it a lot of a lot of love during the interview but it's good yeah you, you basically I, write I forget, it now, Jake.
1: it's it's tough because i'm not a reader um it's it's not something i do um but that that was kind of the angle I played. And I mean, the one the one line that'll stick out. And if anyone ever references that book to me, it'll be I forget if it was Bannister or if it was someone else who said someone asked them if it was worth it. And they were like, it was worth it for me. Um, like it, it probably wasn't worth it. to Ninety nine point ninety nine 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 percent of the rest of the population. But it's yeah. worth it to me. And that yeah. that shows a true baseball sicko. It is disgusting. All
0: right. That ends this. We hope you have a great weekend. Hope quarantine life is treating you well. Have some more interviews for you coming up next week. Hopefully there's some more news. Hopefully it's not ridiculous news stories like we heard before. But uh, we wish you all well. We love you. And we will see you on Monday. How about that?